Hello and welcome to the Bridge City Church podcast. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. We'd love to have a coffee and a chat. We hope you enjoy this week's message. See you at church. My great privilege this morning to um, invite Pastor Paul to come and preach the word. Pastor Paul and Barb are pastors at Mallee Life Fellowship, which um, we've been associated with for lots of years. And the church, way before even our time, um, was connected to Bridge City here when it was still living waters. So it's awesome to welcome you both in the house and Tali as well. And I'm just going to invite Pastor Paul to come now and bring us around the word. Let's give him a hand as he comes. Thank you, Pastor Robin. It's a delight to be here. I feel like I've come home. Um, And as I'd just uh, take the opportunity to also to honour and thank Pastor Robin for the invitation and. uh, we're only too pleased to serve the vision of a Bridge City Church in whatever capacity we can as a family. So here we are, whatever that looks like. So my name is Paul. As Pastor Robert mentioned, we've had a long connection with uh, Bridge City Church or Living Waters Church. It was known back then. In 1997, we began to be part of the ACC movement and uh, Murray Bridge was supporting Lamaru at that point. They were actually investing in that place at that point. And uh, many of the youth that were a part of the Living Waters Church are now part of the leadership team here. And that's great. So I'm actually a lot older than I look. Um, so, yeah, and we really appreciate that, that's that investment that the, the, the uh, Bridge Church has invested in Lamaroo. And we really benefit from that. And even this morning, um, as we gather this morning, Pastor Trevor Honeychurch and um, Gay are out there ministering in Lamaroo, so we really appreciate that. And we honour them for taking that journey into those outer regions and the outer regions. But we are seeing great growth in the Mallee. Can I encourage you with that news that we're having great growth? Um, last year, just before COVID um, changed our plans a little bit, we baptised 13 people in March. It, just, it was an incredible... and just, and of course the lockdown came at that point and we were really concerned that with that lack of connection that we, people would struggle. But Jesus continued to build his church. He continued to build his church despite the things that came against us. And can I encourage you this morning that his kingdom continues to expand every moment of every day. Every moment of every day. And it's a privilege for us to be able to do that together in partnership with his church. That's, that's what we can do. Let me just pray before I begin. Father God, I just pray the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable in your sight today. Amen. So have you had those conversations with someone where they come to you and say, so who is this God of yours? What does he look like? What's it all about? Have you had those conversations? I certainly have. Um, so I want to share this morning a, a, a message out of Luke chapter 15, which is my stock response if someone has a Bible knowledge to, to really encourage them to read it look and get into Luke 15. So if you can start to turn your Bibles to Luke 15, that would be amazing. And I also want to share this because this, this story of, of, of lost things is my story as well. So it's a chance to get a little bit of a glimpse into my life as we do this journey together. Luke chapter 15. So it is the stories of lost things. At the start of that chapter, Jesus 
is challenged by the teachers and the Pharisees because he's spending his time with tax collectors, Jews who had, had lapsed in their faith, and other notorious sinners. Anybody know any notorious sinners? They were drawn to him. They wanted to spend time. They wanted to be a part of Jesus' life. They looked to go and spend time with him. And that, that rattled the teachers. And what stories did he tell in Luke 15? The lost sheep, the 99 sheep, and then one sheep is lost. It's interesting because I currently own about 100 sheep. And um, if I lost one now, I, I couldn't tell you where it was. Honestly, I, if it, I wouldn't even know. It's interesting. I got a phone call um, about a month ago from a detective, detective in the city who was asking me if I'd lost any sheep. Because there'd been some sheep discovered in the Adelaide Hills with my ear tag in them. Did I, had a, did I know that I lost any sheep? No. How would I know? How would I miss 1% of my flock? How would I pursue a creature of limited intelligence? Only the good shepherd chooses to do that, to go out for that 1%. The good shepherd. The lost coin. The coin has the image of the maker stamped upon it. Eternity is written on the hearts of men, ladies and gentlemen. It's written on the hearts of men. The eternity stays written on the hearts of those, even those that are lost. That eternity is written in their hearts. Then we go on to the lost son. And the, the, the parable of the lost son comes with different titles. It's sometimes it's called the lost son. In other translations it says the parable of the prodigal son. Which um, In other it talks about the parable of two sons or the prodigal and his brother. But the one I love most and which I found as I've, again, looked through the pages, pages of the Passion Translation, it says the loving father. The loving father. And so this morning we're going to spend some time and just reflect on that simple story told by Jesus. The good father. The scripture even begins, once there was a father. Friends, it's all about the father. As we read that scripture, it's familiar to us. Many of you have been part of faith for a long time. have heard this story before. We've heard it in kids' church. And we hear the story of two boys pursuing their own needs and their own resources. But this story is never about them, as we will discover so let me read that scripture to you from the Passion Translation, reading from chapter 15, verse 11. Then Jesus said, Once there was a father with two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, don't you think it's time to give me the share of your estate that belongs to me? So the father went ahead and distributed all the son, amongst the sons their inheritance. Shortly afterward, the younger son packed up all his belongings and travelled off to see the world. He journeyed to a far-off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. With everything spent and nothing left, he grew hungry for that there was a severe famine in the land. So he begged a farmer in the country to hire him. The farmer hired him and sent him out to feed pigs. The son was so famished he was willing to even eat the slop given to the pigs because no one would feed him a thing. Humiliated, the son finally realised what he was doing and he thought, there are many workers at my father's house who have all the food they want with plenty to spare. They lack nothing. Why am I here dying of hunger, feeding these pigs and eating their slop? I want to go back to my father's house and I'll say to my father, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. 
I'll never be worthy to be your son. Please, Father, just treat me like one of your employees. So the young son set off for home. From a long distance away, his father saw him coming, dressed as a beggar, and great compassion swelled up in his heart for his son, who was returning home. So the father raced out to meet him. He swept him up in his arms, hugged him dearly, kissed him over and over again with tender love. Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I have sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me... The father interrupted and said, Son, you're home now. Turning to his servants, the father said, Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I will place it on his shoulders. Bring the ring, the seal of sonship, and I will put it on his finger. And bring out the best shoes you can find for my son. Let's prepare a great feast and celebrate. For this beloved son of mine was once dead, but now he's alive again. Once he was lost, but now he's found. And everyone celebrated with overflowing joy. I've said it's a story that if you've been around, we've heard so many times. I just want to take a moment to reflect on a couple of points out of that this morning. Number one, where it says, don't you think it's time, verse 12, Father, don't you think it's time for me to give to share of the estate that belongs to me? Don't you think it's time for you to die? That's what he's saying to his father. As a person from a rural background, I've seen the trauma and the challenges which come when one of the children comes to the, to the father and says, I want my share and I want it now. Resentment, envy and pain bubbles up and lasts for generation upon generation. But nevertheless, he went ahead, he shared at his estate. Under that culture, the, the older brother receives a double portion. So that means that the son, older son would get two-thirds and one-third for the younger son. So the father effectively liquidates one-third of his entire estate to pour into the pocket of the young son, that rebellion son, rebellious son. The scripture says within days he was off. Verse 13 goes on and said, He journeyed to a far-off land where he soon wasted all he was given in a binge of extravagant and reckless living. And I love the old King James Version which says, And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. He wasted his substance with riotous living. And wasted it. You know that incredible feeling when you've got a $100 note in your pocket? It doesn't happen to be very often. What's the worst thing you can do when you've got $100 in your pocket? Begin to spend it. Because the moment you open that, crack that $100 open, in five minutes' time it is gone. If you're not careful, it just dissolves. And I think that was the experience of a lost son. He wasted his substance, his possessions. And family, this morning, could we just get a glimpse of the fact that our, sub, our substance is not just things we can hold in our hand. It's not just our possessions we hold in our hands. It's not just what we can buy with our crisp $100 bills. Our substance is much more. We can hold things in our heart. We hold our beliefs in our heart. We hold our values. We had our royal view, the way we see things in our hearts. And God pleads us to guard our hearts, to guard those things that money cannot buy, our thoughts, our words, our actions, because they begin to form our character as, as people of God. Waste is substance on riotous living. The word riotous speaks of damage, of decay, of losing yourself, to break down, to dissipate, to dissolve, again to dissolve. 
So at that point, he finds himself without any of the resources he thought would carry him to the good life. They were gone. They were effectively gone. The cash was gone. The place of rock bottom, of absolute rock bottom. And what did he discover at that point? The scripture says that no one gave him anything. In the New Living Translation, no one gave him anything. They're huge words, no one and anything. It's not just that matter of that physical hunger that young man was feeling at that point. He at that point discovered that no person, no position, no possession will ever give to that, that what he needed, what he needed to satisfy that need that exists in him and it exists within us. No person, no position, no person. read on verse 17. When the son finally realised what he was doing, it says in verse 17. Again in the New King James it says, when he came to his senses. When he came to his senses. When he was at the end of his rope and really beyond the end of his rope, a wealthy Jewish boy, um, at this point feeding pigs, feeling unworthy, feeling unclean and being ritually unclean. And it's the same for us. We shun pain and we shun discomfort. We shun those points of disappointment. But as we all know, it's more often not in those points of, of those valley experiences of our life where we come to our senses, where we come to our senses. At that point, he makes this incredibly profound statement. This is really what I'm trying to hinge off this morning. It says, I want to go back home to my father's house. I want to go home to my father's house. So he does. He, he gets himself organised, practices his speech, ready to go and tell his father he's going to come and work as a slave. And in verse 20 it says, From a long distance away, his father saw him coming. Again, the New King James verse says, When he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. And I love that statement. Because it means I can still be a long way off. I can still be a long way off. He'll still see me coming. I can still be dressed in the rags of my own efforts. I can still stink of the pigs. I can still be bereft of my own resources. Yet, he welcomes me back. So as we begin that journey home, we make that statement, I want to go home. Our Heavenly Father is running towards us. Not to chastise, not to punish, not to put us in the freezer and hold us away for a while till we just have suffered enough at that moment, he wants to sweep us up. The scripture says he wants to sweep us up. In his, I've got to stand still. Sweep us up in his arms. Turn your face to him. He will run towards you. Turn your face to him. He will run towards you. And the other point I wanted to make on that is as we walk with people who are out there in their rope, who are at that capacity, who are struggling, we can choose to, to focus on the occasional whiff of pigs or their beggar's clothes or we can choose to look into the eyes of a beloved son and daughter who is lost. A beloved son and daughter. And um, Kathy, beautiful. It's our choice. So he arrives home. The son begins his speech. The one he began to rehearse from the moment he, he decided to come back. Remember that? Then the son said, Father, I was wrong. I've sinned against you. I could never deserve to be called your son. Just let me. And he was interrupted. Cut off straight away. He cuts him off just before the opportunity to try and justify and make a way to earn himself back into the kingdom. He allows him to, to repent, to, to pour out his heart, but he says, stop, that's enough. 
You don't need to earn yourself a place in this household. And so reinforcement again of what we shared around community is the finished work of the cross that we celebrate in the story of the lost son. Turn your face to him and he'll run to meet you. We need only present ourselves in our brokenness at the foot of the cross. Verse 22. Quick, bring me the best robe, my very own robe, and I'll place it on his shoulders. So the father does it. He places the robes, his best robe, and he dresses the son. Again, it's a picture of the finished work of the cross. The son doesn't dress himself. The father dresses the son. That, uh, the Greek word for the, that the robe is stole. It comes another word stole that the ladies wear when they go out on their... But this talks about a long flowing gown, a garment of honour. And the base word in that is, to, is the word to stand. And other applications speak of being abiding, of standing, of being appointed, of being presented, of being established, of a covenant. Back in Lamaru in the last year, we finished a series about what are you wearing? That we spent three weeks talking about what are you wearing? And ladies and gentlemen, this morning I can tell you that I am wearing Jesus. As I stand before you this morning, I am wearing Jesus. Paul wrote to the Colossian church to remind them of the sufficiency of Jesus in saving us. He said, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ, with God. You died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Nothing we can carry into the equation will save us. Nothing. But to put on Christ. Put on Christ. Those beggar clothes that reeked of pigs were of no use to the lost son. They covered nothing. They couldn't prevent him from the guiltosaurus that Barb talked about. She, that was no way, there was no protection. As we did that series, we discovered this amazing verse in Isaiah which really captures the picture of being clothed in Christ. It's this one. It says, uh, Isaiah 61.10 in the New Living Translation, which says, I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God. For he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me with the robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with their jewels. That's good news for church. That's great news. The picture of being draped, not just covered, but covered exorbitantly with Christ. Yeah. That's right, I'm just adjusting my plans here. <laughs> So they celebrate hard at that point. That celebration come. No expense was expended at that point. No corners were cut. It was bad news for the fatted calf, as we just, those of you remember in the New King James Vision. He got it in the neck for the celebration. Why? Because for the father at that point, it was a matter of life and death. Family, this is who God is. This is out of Psalm 68, verses 5 and 6. A father of the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rebellious stay in a dry land. So simply put, the story of the loving father reveals to me the prodigal love, that relentless, tsunami-like love that pours out of him for every rebellious son or daughter. Every rebellious son or daughter. 
that love that doesn't make sense. It's not directed to it's directed towards us. It's directed towards every person, regardless of the attitude that they bring towards him. I want to leave you with three thoughts, three really profound thoughts that have struck me. Lost or not, the son was still the son. In that in his worst moment, the son continued to be the son. Number two, we get to choose. We get that to get that and make that statement. I want to go home to my father's house. That's it. We have that choice to make. And the really exciting is that as we turn our face towards home, our father runs to meet us, regardless of our situation, regardless of the way we turn up, regardless of we're in those stingy, smelly clothes. He runs to meet us at that point. Those three things. The lost son is still a lost son. Speak those words, I want to go home. As we do that, as we turn our face to Jesus, he runs to meet us. And that's all good news. Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, I just pray that um, this story, this, this message, this word you shared in the prodigal son, in the lost son, Father, speaks to me and speaks to us. We understand there's aspects of our life where we are still wrestling, Father. I pray that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive those, that mercy and grace, that, those moments when we need it the most. And we need it today, Lord Jesus. So Lord, I just pray and I just thank you for open hearts and a willingness to be prepared to be bold and step forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed today's podcast, make sure you subscribe to stay up to date with all our latest sermons. If you would like to get connected, you can find us on Facebook at Bridge City Church. Or come along to our Sunday service at 10am. 